Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tattoos and Torah, where we talk about things that don't seemingly go with each other. I'm Rabbi Iggy. Uh, we're still in quarantine, COVID-19, coronavirus. I hope everybody's healthy and safe. I hope everybody who gets out is wearing a mask, not to protect themselves per se, but to protect those who are more vulnerable in our society. This is the least we can do. If you're sheltering in place, and if you need to go out, make sure that you are safe and others are safe too. Today I want to talk about otherness. And in many ways I fit many of the categories that are quote-unquote other. I'm gay, I'm an immigrant, that's my accent, I'm from Belgium. I have two adopted children of color. I have tattoos, which is not what you would expect from a rabbi. Um, yes, those of you who are thinking that um, tattoos prevent you from being buried in a Jewish cemetery, that is simply not true. I think that it was invented by Jewish mothers to try and uh, persuade the children to not get tattoos, but you can, in fact, be buried in a Jewish cemetery. Sorry to burst your bubble. Sorry, Mom. I want to talk today about being a gay rabbi, about bringing my whole self to the table. I want to talk about pain, my pain, my successes, beauty, ugliness, my own feeling of loneliness, my own coming out, my fear of rejections, my fear of being myself, growing in a religious community. Because it's a deep part of who I am, my queerness. In many ways today, my strength comes from it. My vulnerability, which we'll talk about, comes from it. And therefore, my strength comes from it as well. It helps me look at the world. I'll explain a little bit how that is. And I want to talk about it because so many people don't think, again, that those two go together. And that I have to leave some parts of me when I get on the proverbial puppet. That we have to leave parts of ourselves when we try to be one thing or another. So I want to talk to you, as Harriet Rosetto says it, not role to role or in world to soul. I want to talk to you soul to soul. I want to talk to you from my own truth and my experiences. We spoke a while ago in one of the early episodes about changing a perspective from a either or perspective to a both and perspective. That is non-binary thinking, to go from a binary thinking to non-binary thinking. Right in, in the world of LGBTQI+, we're looking at continuums rather than binary thinking, not just male and female. So using that to look at the world helps us, right? It helps us because if we're able to understand the relationships between the different parts of ourselves and allowing for both ands to happen, I am a rabbi and I am gay, Right? Uh, I'm a jock, but I also like feminist literature. Whatever it is, the different parts that we think don't always go with each other, for example, I'm not a jock, that was just an example, by the way. <laughs> um, if we think about those things, when we're able to accept it within ourselves and be aware of it within ourselves, we are able to also then use the same tool and the same lens to look at the world, and therefore looking at the world with more compassion because we understand it better because it can be the same for ourselves and not be so judgmental on the world when we think that 
things that don't go with each other should go with each other or should be consistent in such a way. This is very helpful these days, this non-binary point of view or this both-and point of view. Why? Because we're all feeling a lot of feelings. We can be happy and calm one minute or very anxious and stressful the next. We can feel good one moment and then perhaps a couple hours later feeling a lot more stressed. So how is that? Why is that? How is that that the feelings change so rapidly sometimes and the confusion that comes with it? What am I feeling? So in that sense, looking again at queer theory, it helps me think about it in a slightly different way. In queer theory or in my experience as a gay man, I know that I don't want to and I don't have to and I shouldn't have to fit into a box. Definitely not a box that others have intended for me. I don't have to be one thing. There is more than one way to be. I don't have to fit into the molds of what is right or what is quote-unquote normal. What is normal? There's no such thing as normal. Everybody's different. That's the same with the feelings. They change, they flow, they ebb. The feelings themselves don't constantly ask to be defined. They don't want to be static. Feelings are feelings. They change, they move around. And like feelings, we too are able to expand, to contract, to feel multiple things at once or one right after the other or feeling different feelings. All feelings are fluid and all the big feelings have writers attached to them. When you say to somebody, I love you, when you're really in love, connecting, at the back of your head, many times there's a sense of what will happen if I lose you. Many times when we feel stress and anxiety, let's say at work, with that sometimes it comes a lot of creativity and a lot of people like that. Drama, crisis, it brings a lot of life in many of us. Sometimes if somebody has died after a disease, let's say, the people left grieve, but many of us also are relieved that they don't suffer anymore. Those big writers produce sometimes some guilt in us because we expect, we think that we're feeling one thing and they lived happily ever after. That's bullshit. There's no such thing. Love does not conquer all. It's not enough. It's a lot. But we need a lot more. And feelings of humans are very complicated. So feelings flow and change. And we flow and we change. And we grow. And we don't fit into the molds. We don't fit into other people's molds. That otherness that I talked about. That queerness the different feelings that we have is something that we have to use, that I use. It helps me these days. It has become a friend. Like many other LGBTQI plus people, I too know what loneliness is, what fear is, what looking into the unknown feels like. We've all had that. Feelings that we're not safe, that we have to do something, change perhaps, diminish ourselves. That otherness 
also gives me a different point of view. And this is where it starts to become a friend of mine or a teacher of mine. Perhaps it's unpopular, but part of the fear that I have felt in my life as a gay person, when I walked perhaps into a room, a scenario, a place, I have to assess my safety, the people around me. I have to look around. That gives me sometimes some creativity as well because I get to think about things that others don't. So if I walk into those scenarios, into the situation, sometimes I have to think about the closest exit or what's my exit strategy. But sometimes I also think about what would make this experience or me more connected, more meaningful. And yes, sometimes it's what would make this a lot more fabulous. On that aspect, you see, many people think that because I'm a rabbi, a spiritual person, I should not like fashion. That somehow it's superficial or shallow. Again, that's their box that they intend for me. But fashion, art, luxury is in fact sovereignty. It represents my ability to choose. I get to choose. I get to. I get to present each day the way I want to present. I get to say something about myself to the world, which is really, come to think of it, the thing that people see about you first is how you look. So I get to choose that. And you know what? That's badass. I command what I project to the world. And that's what spirituality is all about in many ways. Sovereignty, making choices, taking actions, knowing that I have worth, which is something I have to work on, that I can choose and accomplish, that just by being born, I matter. Therefore, my opinions matter. What I do matters. I have a space in this world without anybody else's approval or need. I don't need anybody else's box. I'm here and I want to say something. I learned that through my own coming out as a gay man in a religious community. I didn't always feel like that. I didn't always feel that I had a place, that I am part of something bigger. I didn't always feel wanted. I felt rejected. I felt fear. And like I said, loneliness as well. But I learned that I'm not less than anybody else. And in fact, that I have so much to give and to teach. So taking action, making sure that what I do says something about myself is one of those ways that I remind myself that I matter, that I remind myself that I get to choose. And that is a gift. That is gratitude. That is sovereignty. But I have to make sure that my actions are aligned with my intentions. Making sure that the parts of myself work together and present to the world the person that I want. So when my actions and my intentions are in fact aligned, that's how growth happens. When I say what I mean and I mean what I say. As a rabbi, of course, I invested a lot in my soul, my brain, my capability, my success even. I have to do the same thing with how I present myself to the world. That is one of the reasons I love fashion and art. This is who I am. 
I get to choose what people see. Why would I not choose what people see if I choose how I speak and who I surround myself with? Perhaps with luxury and fashion and beauty. Why beauty? Again, it's not shallowness. Beauty reminds us of the divine. If God is perfect and beautiful, then when I see something that is perfect and beautiful, it reminds me of God. And it reminds me of these attributes of God. And then it reminds me that I'm not alone in this world. It connects me. It reminds me that there is more to this world than just me. That the creativity around me, the forces of rejuvenation around me, the forces that create a world of inspiration around me, is something that invites me to connect to the world, to feel bigger than myself, to know that I have a part, but the world is large. And it reminds me of that, that I'm not alone, and I feel connected. In Judaism, there's a blessing when you see somebody beautiful. But in fact, there's also a blessing when you see something that's ugly. Because God is also ugly, not just beautiful. It's all the parts. And indeed, we put so much emphasis on beauty and not allowing the ugliness to show and to be part of our lives. But of course, with light, there is darkness. And many times we don't allow to be challenged by ugliness and difference. People are scared of the ugly. They think somehow it will rub off, maybe infect them somehow. But I think that on a deeper level, People are afraid that ugliness, the ugly they are faced, will show their own ugliness. And they don't want that. They don't want to be faced with ugliness. They don't want to see their own ugliness. They don't want to accept it. In my gay community, unfortunately, there is a hierarchy of such beauty, masculinity, we call it. It's built on images we learn from porn and toxic masculine images from the media. There is a, a food chain, if you will, a hierarchy of masculine at the top. Those who can, quote-unquote, pass. People that if you meet in a meeting on the street, you wouldn't think they're gay. As if gay is something that's a disease that has to be detected. The femininity has to be detected. That is a different kind of ugliness. People are so obsessed with image, with filters, that they lose sight of who they are and who they really want to be. In many ways, sex, sexiness, lust have become the goal instead of intimacy and connection. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-sex or anti-sexiness. Not at all. In fact, I also take selfies. And yes, sometimes in attempts to remind myself that I'm here, that I exist. It's so easy these days to get lost in the sea of people and media or to feel insignificant when we are alone in our apartments. So of course I click to feel. But what I really want is to connect, of course. And that's what this is about in many ways. Not confusing sex and sexiness, which is great, with connection. How many of us are told in person or online, you are hot, you're sexy, you're cool, 
But what we hear is, you have value, you matter, or even I love you. This causes eventually anxiety and distrust because we start to not being able to believe what we feel. It starts being confusing. In recovery, we talk about moral inventory and trying to face the shadow self, to face our own wrongdoing. It's hard because it brings a lot of shame and guilt, like I said, a lot of pain. But when we do, we are able to hold the ugliness too. And I'll say not try to make that beautiful. So ask yourself, either right now or before you go to bed or when you write next, what lies have you told yourself today? Don't varnish. Be honest with yourself. Feel it deep inside. Allow it to make you see yourself. What lies have you told yourself today? What excuses did you give yourself today knowing that they were excuses? Perhaps excuses for what you need to do or things you've done. What are those lies? It's not beautiful, right? We have to fight this urge to try and make it beautiful. Because it's not. It fucking isn't. It's horrible. But it's okay. Again, learning from my own experiences, as a survivor, it will be okay. We will deal. The violent nature of reality is sobering. But we all need this swift kick in the butt to know that we have to face ourselves. And only then can we make it through and it will be okay. So back to connection and love. Perfection, too much beauty, if you will, is boring. Vulnerability is the only way to true intimacy. We cannot have intimacy without trust. And you cannot have trust without vulnerability. So to be vulnerable, you have to reveal parts of yourself that you might be afraid of, that perhaps you think are ugly or deformed. You see, we connect through that pain. We connect through that experience. We connect through our vulnerability. We're all human. So we all have very similar struggles. Look at what's happening today. We're all feeling very similar things. We don't all share the same experiences many times. At the moment, a lot of us are sharing the same experience, but that's not always true. Some of us are poor, some of us are rich, some of us are celebrities, some of us are not. We all have different experiences. But we are human, and we have the human condition that binds us together. So we all have fear, we all have doubt, doubt within ourselves, doubt in the world. We all have anxieties. We all have failures. We all have heartbreak. These are the things that connect us. If somebody says, I did not have any of those, or I don't have failures, or I don't have a heartbreak, don't believe them. They're lying. And if that's true, you don't need them around in your life. They're toxic. So back to connection and love. Perfection, too much beauty, is boring. Vulnerability is the only way to true intimacy. And you can only have true intimacy with trust. And trust is built by being vulnerable. 
To be vulnerable means to reveal parts of yourself that you might be afraid of. Parts of yourself that you think might be ugly or seen as ugly or deformed. You see, we connect through some of our pain. Our humanity, our struggles is what we connect with. This is what we all share together. This is what brings us together in our human condition. We don't always have shared experiences. Some are poor, some are rich, some are celebrities, some are unknowns. It doesn't matter. People grew up in all sorts of different places. But as humans, we have fear, we have doubt, self-doubt, anxiety, failure, heartbreak, things we hate about our bodies. Who doesn't have something that they don't like about themselves in the mirror? Things that we rather hide. Those are the things that when we try to connect, those are the things we should bring forward. Those are the things that we should look at as the way to reach another person. Don't confuse vulnerability with weakness. Vulnerability is my ability to say I am human and I too have these feelings. And then in return, the other person will do the same. We all share that. Our ability to see that the other person is just a person and that I can connect to. Many people think that vulnerability is weakness because they think that by giving people quote-unquote ammunition they'll be able to hurt them. I've been called many things in my life. But when I came out, I realized that the things that I say about myself, as soon as I say it, as soon as I give it as a gift to somebody else to say, this is who I am, they will never be able to use that against me. No matter what name or no matter what they throw at me, if I've given it to you, I identify with it. It makes me stronger because it connects me to humanity. It allows me to be honest and authentic. And that's what this is all about in the end. The people will only accept you if you accept yourself, if you're authentic. If you're authentic and bring all your pieces together, those that fit and those that don't fit, those that are in the box, out of the box, different colors, whatever you are, on the spectrum, whatever it is, what you bring to the table, if it's authentic, people will want to be near you. People will want to be with you. Because they know they can expect authenticity from you and they want to see that both for themselves and in their connections towards you. When we find authentic people, we are inspired by them. We draw power from them. Those are the right people around us. When you're authentic, you might lose some people. You might lose some people who don't want to be around authentic people because it reminds them that they are not and they can't stand it. That's okay. Let them go. Because the people that will accept you and love you will find you. And you'll create around you a community of those people. People who call you out on your shit and love you every day of the week. Beauty and ugliness. Warts and all. I'll close with the realization that 
how we present ourselves, the kind of person we want to be, the kind of stories we want to put out, social media or not, who we are depends on our own sovereignty and our own actions and how we choose to be in this world. There are many reasons I could be bitter and angry. And in fact, when I was younger, I was bitter and angry and alone and afraid and mad at the world for feeling so different than everybody else. But I know now that if I want to have a life of meaning, if I want to be able to help others and myself, I want to make sure that I live my life in authenticity and to choose, and above all, to choose happiness. Some people think that's silly, that you can't choose happiness, but you can. You have, in fact, to choose happiness every day. Choosing happiness means that when you look at the 100% of life, 10% is what happens, but 90% is what you do, how you react. By choosing happiness, by choosing to be mindful of what I've achieved, of where I am, of who's around me, by choosing to be grateful and have gratitude to the chance to do it over and over again every day, the chance to choose what I say, what I do, how I dress, how I decorate my house, the people around me, by those choices, I get to be happy and I get to make meaning. I hope you all have a very good week and stay safe. Thank you so much. We are the Chuva Center and this is Tattoos and Torah. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, all the platforms that you are listening to your podcast. You can also find us online. Uh, our Instagram is Chuva Center and on my personal, not your rabbi or Twitter, Egal GM. Thank you. Have a very good week.